right. Welcome back to another episode of the Upper Room Family Podcast, where we exist to equip families to pursue God's design for discipleship, community, and dynasty. So I'm welcomed in the Upper Room again with our our crew. We got Camuel, Zion, and Micah, and myself. Um, we're going to try to bring the 8 a.m. energy instead of the 6 a.m. energy. Let's go. Last recording. Camuel uh, said, hey, it sounds like we recorded at 6 a.m. We were all half asleep. So uh, we moved it back to 8 a.m. And uh, hopefully you feel that uh, maybe there's a little bit more energy here this morning. So we are going to jump right into um, some scripture this morning on our first podcast, Second um, Timothy chapter three. So our church has been going through the book of Second Timothy during our learning hour, and I thought Second Timothy three there was a lot of good material there for us. It's not a very long chapter, um, so we're going to jump right into it. But before we do, how's everybody's weeks going? Good. Uh, Kemal's like if he sounds feminine today it's it's not his actual voice he's just congested i thought you were going to talk about if he sounds like a little bit more enthusiastic it's because he's had a major life change since the last time we recorded with uh with a special someone in his life now serious big big moves going on over here for sure um but yeah, good. Well, welcome. It is the first day of turkey season and um, it's raining, so that's good. Otherwise, I think uh, some of us would rather be out chasing some birds, uh, maybe. But uh, my freezer's full, as I said earlier, so I uh, wasn't excited to go out sit in the cold rain this morning. But Second but Timothy chapter 3, uh, I thought that I would just read it quickly and then we'll talk about uh, what stuck out to each and every one of us. 2 Timothy 3, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power avoid such people. I mean, we could just pause there and have two hours of dialogue about what all of those, and maybe we should. Um, <laughs> I just, when I first read Second Timothy 3, and you see that list, it is really hard to not see American culture today. Right. I don't know what you guys think about that. But when I read that, it's like, lovers of self. I mean, if you've watched the news at all, everything is about self. What serves me? What's self-serving to me? Um, you know, it's all about my truth. And we'll get into that a little bit on another episode where we talk about identity. But, you know, when it just comes to me and my passions and what's good for me and, um, you know, it's just lovers of self, lovers of money, right? How much money can I make? Um, not having any con contentment, being proud and arrogant. Um, we've got definitely a level of arrogance, um, you know, within, you know, the left's culture, I think, especially with um, just their boastfulness about the sin and the reckless sin that they live in. Um, I mean, they have a month called Pride Month coming up, and we know that pride in the Bible is not really something that we should aspire to be. So anyway, I'll keep going. Uh, 
uh, verse six, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres oppose Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ, or I'm sorry, in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that a man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Starts off, what are your thoughts? I think that at the end there, Paul said that all who desire to live like a godly life will be persecuted. I think it's very interesting in our culture, like Dr. Dave said, that when you read the first few passages, the first few verses, you see like American culture, you're like lovers of self, lovers of money, they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really true in our culture. And I think as a Christian people, we need to be willing to stand on the truth of God that's going to cause us to be persecuted and not try to be accepted or seek influence among people. We need to more seek faithfulness to Christ and the persecution will come according to what Paul said, because I think I hear a lot of people talk about how in the Christian church in America, we're blessed to not be persecuted. And it's true that we do have a lot of blessings and freedoms. But the fact is that if we're actually, if some of us stepped into living the kingdom life, we would be persecuted for that in a lot of ways. And so all these things that might not seem like persecution, like lovers of money, we're very affluent in America, but the devil can use money as a grip on our lives to take Christ, like the most important thing in our lives, to take our desire and our love for God and use these different idols like in our life to take our loves and our longings. So that's one of the things when I was looking through it, it really focused on like, what do you love? And when you truly love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength, then you're going to see opposition. You're going to see persecution to that. But as a man, that's like, that's a challenge that you can walk into. It's not something that you need to flee from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And back in second Timothy chapter one, Paul talks about suffering um, and, you know, therefore probably some persecution involved in that. And uh, the study notes here 
<clears throat> in my Bible say that, um, you know, persecution often comes from the world because Christians do not conform to the world, right? And so if we're not to conform, you can expect to be persecuted. Um, and I think that, you know, he's referring back to his, his letter, right? Uh, this letter to Timothy wasn't broken up into chapters and verse <laughs> when he wrote it. So, you know, Paul is, or uh, Timothy, as he's reading chapter three for us, you know, he's, he's also read chapter one, which is earlier in the letter talking about Paul and his sufferings and um, not conforming to the world. And yet Paul even says, uh, I think it's one, uh, 12, which is why I suffer as I do. But then he concludes, Paul says, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day, which has been entrusted to me. So I think we, especially I'll talk about myself, you know, need to have that, that faith that Paul had to say, yeah, I mean, I may suffer now, but I know that who I believe and I have more belief in that than I do in these people that are persecuting me. Yeah, but I mean, talk about a culture mandate, like the amount of just passion and desire for the things of God and just kind of an all-encompassing desire for the, like to see kingdom on earth and to live all of life for the glory of God that I get when I read Second um, Timothy is like insane and just in this obviously i'm trying to like contain all my energy and have say something that isn't just like just crazy energy or whatever because like you look at this and you're like oh man like this is the american church this is our world today like this is the postmodern world and you see this every day and you see this level of brokenness and at the same time like you said dr dave that like read timothy as a letter and like look at like second timothy 2 and what is it talking about it's like talking about being prepared for Christ being like a soldier for the gospel and you are called to like flee your, your youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who are called on the Lord from a pure heart. And so like you're called onto God and you're called as a body, as a community, as a culture to push back whatever darkness is just impeding upon us in this world. And we see in America that, yes, there is just this godless, like, I will take what parts of Christianity I desire, what parts are you, like, I can utilize in my worldview, but I won't surrender and I'll do what works. And I just want to read some of uh, 2 Timothy 2. This is now in the great house. There are not vessels of gold, silver, but not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, for some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the dis from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart, holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And I would just encourage you as you read this, get out your Bible, read Second uh, Timothy two in light of Second Timothy three, because Paul is preparing his people. He's like, this is who you are. This is what you are called to as people of God, this is what kingdom culture looks like. And then these are what you're going to encounter in every single day. And he's like, reiterates, like, this is where the culture is, but you can hold the scripture and you can hold to the reality of who God is. And for me as a young man, and just looking at the culture we exist in and seeing like, this is not working. Like there's, there's no families, like there is no, the kingdom structure has been lost. Like the faithfulness, we live in a godless generation and people who are just led by just every whim of their flesh and people that are completely lost, families that are broken. I was listening to this podcast the other day that's saying 60, I think it was 
maybe it was 40, 40 or 60% of people are now born into like a home that does, that is not like a married home. And they're so like, they were saying they used to be like, just like 50 years ago, hundred years ago, it was like virtually no one you knew was divorced. And like, if you were born outside of that, you had, you did not have the rights of like a family. And so you were like considered like a bastard, but now like culturally, like it's like a high, high percentage, almost like a majority, if I'm not mistaken is living in that and it's just like it doesn't work so as men something that like me and zion are like super passionate about it's like this doesn't work so like how are we going to raise our families how we're going to create this dynasty and this legacy that works is founded in kingdom truth and like at whatever cost it takes because we are not going to be like we are not going to fall into these traps and i personally see myself falling in a lot of these things in daily life because life is just it's like confusing you have so many inputs from so much social media and i'm like encourage you get off social media like get into god's word and be like what is the reality of the world because you will not get the reality of the world and you will not find truth if you're just on social media more than you're in the word of god so be in the word of god more than you are like just in the world because if you are in the world more like you will just be lost you'll be confused you won't understand so we have to seek truth and so yeah i'm just like super passionate about it but like that's it's like where we need to be as men of God if we're going to create anything that's going to stand the test of time because what we do in our culture does not work and it is not true. So, mm-hmm. I think one common lie in our culture is this first thing that Paul says to Timothy is people will be lovers of themselves. And it's creeping into Christian culture in that, you know, how can I do the great commandment to love God and love others if I don't first love myself? And and it, you do. We all love ourselves. The, The Bible tells us that, hey, we care for ourselves, we clothe ourselves, we feed ourselves, we look at ourselves. We are already loving ourselves. If you try to just focus on that, though, focus on like, I've got to love myself, that is selfishness. That will lead to um, uh, me-ism. And that's where all the rest of the issues, as Ken pointed out in this whole chapter of chapter three, stem from that self-love, that selfishness. I think we have need to have a right view of ourselves, a godly view of ourselves, and then we can once we have that right view of ourselves, we can almost set that aside and move on to love God and others rightly. I think what I see is as the maybe the biggest hurts or the biggest suffering is not in my mind, and you guys can give me feedback on this is not from the world. Like the world, I, I just expect it. It's like if you play a great baseball team and you get beat, it's like, well, yeah, they're, they're better. That's what's going to happen. Like, that's not too surprising. I don't get too upset about that. Whereas if it's like, Hey, you know, we're going to hang out with like my family, my Christian family. And then they start ripping on me. I, I did not see that coming. Like, what is that? That is very, very hurtful. Cause it's like, I felt we were on the same team, bro. Like, and, and I, I see a lot of uh, factions in the church because there's people, as this says, have a form of godliness, but deny its power. They don't actually want to live under God's power. They don't actually want the power of God's grace to change them. They don't want the power to obey God. They they want to keep loving self, to have themselves as a pedestal. My whims, my desires go first, and and that becomes very destructive and, and hurtful as, as a faith family. Yeah, this whole idea of like personal autonomy is like such a western idealistic view of individualism that doesn't work it doesn't create any sustainable like if we want to talk about equipping a like a generational legacy of strength especially in the kingdom like realm 
Like you have to really take a hard look at all of your American ideals and be like, what aligns with scripture? Mm -hmm. Because the more I see in my life, everything I was formed, everything I was told as a kid, everything people, not everything. Okay. But like people, people be like, this is you like decide who you want to be, like find your identity, find your purpose. Like you don't exist just as this individual, like you exist with people, you exist in a community, you exist in a body. And that was going to be like the majority, that is who you are. So we're going to, like in a coming podcast, we're going to be talking about identity, but like just existing as like, I need to see like where I'm at and like what I decide and what I think is right. Like that leads to the problems we see in the West mm-hmm. and this whole idea of like godliness in the last days. It's like, there's going to be people, there's people that go to church that are, can talk religion. that can just be, they, they can do all the things and they can be all the things, but they don't know the power of God. And it doesn't truly transform their life at a core level. Mm-hmm. And that is like, You'll see that a lot. And that's what he's addressing here. I think also to what Mr. Russell said, I don't think this is this is close to the interpretation, but you could look at this. One thing that's helpful is like, okay, godliness. So you're talking about the, the idea of personal God. So like instead of taking it as godliness, just for a mind exercise, be like God likeness, like humans thinking they are God, but not realizing the power that actual God of the universe has and being like, I am good enough. I can be the God and the Lord of my own life. And that is super detrimental because you're not God mm-hmm. and that will just shatter everything because you cannot like that's not a power that you understand at all. Mm-hmm. But in this context, it's like the holy if you're truly if you're truly godly, like if you're like you're going to show that in your life, you're going to want to transform as men, you're going to take challenges and you're going to like become that. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be like super transformational. And you can see that in people and surround yourself with those people and avoid people that are not that. Mm-hmm. One thing it does to summarize the beginning of the passage is it says that they're always learning and they never arrive at the knowledge of the truth. And then it, in the next verse, it says they oppose the truth. And so a marker of these people is how they deal with the truth. And I think if you look at our culture, like we said, it's a parallel. Our culture does not like truth. It doesn't like any standards. Amen. And that's the way practically us as men, us as families, we need to stand on the truth of God. Mm-hmm. It says in Ephesians that like after you've done all this, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And so we as men, we as families need to stand for the truth. The Speaker of the House just recently said that if you want to help the economy, get an abortion. Mm. Like what is that? That's child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like that's our culture, sacrificing children in order to achieve pleasure, in order to achieve self-autonomy. Lovers of self, lovers of pleasure. Mm-hmm. And then we look at how they're like smearing the name of God and Christ in the church. What marriage is is a representation of that. And they're smearing that in the dirt with gay marriage, with homosexuality, with all the perversions and as christians we need to stand on the truth and be like this is what god says and this is what's true mm-hmm. i think one one thing that has always stood out to me and it ties with what you're saying is like when daniel would pray like you know and grieve and repent repent for the sin of the nation and, it's, and i'd always read that I'm like what daniel that's that's not you bro like you are you are being so steadfast to the lord why are you repenting like you're you're not doing those things and I think he sees like just the reality of community that that 
all of these things that that his nation that he's a part of are doing to to rebel against God, it's a it's in a sense a reflection of him, or it could rub off on him. And I think we just don't see that. I, I know I really struggle to see that. That I live in a nation, but that's them. I'm not. I don't think those things. I don't do those things. And I think the Bible's very clear in that. Hey. It will rub off on you. It will taint how you think. It'll soften the sharp edges of truth and lies and and distort you, deceive you. And and so I think that's why it says have nothing to do with such people. Like you have to and, and not I'm not saying like go live in a cave. I'm not saying that. But it's it's saying that you have to realize that this mindset, this worldview will creep into your thinking and have little deceptions in your mind and make you soft, weak in certain regards to these certain sins. So just be be on, on guard for that. Yeah. <clears throat> Zion, I I just uh, I recorded a solo episode on Titus, and I don't know if you got the chance to listen to it or not, but <clears throat> Titus 1.9 really helps us see, I think, what you're talking about, which is um, that he, so it concludes this says, that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And I think our, our culture, not even just our American culture, but <laughs> our world culture, uh, there's so much that needs godly men in sound doctrine, godly kids, godly women in sound doctrine to be able to stand up and rebuke it, but also doing that with, you know, grace and love and truth. But, you know, Again, if scripture offends you, that's not my problem, mm. right? That's not a problem with me. If I'm approaching it in a manner and using it, um, you know, inappropriately to tear you down, <clears throat> that's one thing. But if I'm just speaking truth as a means to, I think as Daniel's, you know, your example, Micah, with Daniel just really looking to repent for the sins of the nation, right? It's, I think it's also because he he knows that his, his nation or his countrymen can do better. There's, mm. they're missing it there. He's, he's longing and in, in this compassion for, you know, longing for his community to get on board with what he sees that they would stand firm, that they would stand, step up. And I think that, you know, um, <laughs> I saw, I posted a quote earlier that was from somebody that said, if Paul could see <laughs> the American church, we'd be getting a letter. Right. Like, and, and he would be, and he would be calling people out by name. Right. Paul has a great way of calling people out by, you know, he's, he's not afraid to call them out by name. Right. But I think he does it as a means to draw light to it, to contradict very specific teachings that are against scripture, that are uh, against the word of God and to bring light to it. Um, and I just, I just think we need more of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so wrapping up, we, we covered Second uh, Timothy 3, the first part. I really like where it starts in verse 10 because this is a letter to Timothy who Paul has a, a special relationship with, you know, mentor, mentee. Um, you know, they I think they first meet in Acts somewhere Timothy is mentioned. Um, and then he writes these two letters to Timothy. And I just like his affirmation of Timothy. So after he goes through all of, you know, what's going to come in these difficult days that people are going to be lovers of self and arrogant and uh, unholy and heartless. And that whole list there, he affirms Timothy in chapter or in verse 10, he says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, um, my persecutions. 
and sufferings that happened to me. And, you know, I think, I think that affirmation is really important. So as, as a mentor, um, you know, myself to, um, to some, I think it's really important for me to make sure that when I see good, that I affirm it Hmm. and that I I call caution to it. Like Paul does with Timothy caution you. These are the end times. These are what people are going to be. But then he, he calls Timothy out and he says, you are different. You are set apart. You have followed these things. You have done well in these areas. And I think when, when, when you receive affirmation from a, a man in your life, uh, or someone in your life, it is powerful. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think if I was Timothy reading this, that he would sense not prideful, but just like, yeah, like, thank you for affirming those things. I have worked hard in those areas. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's cool that like, uh, I love that verse too, Dave. Now you followed my teaching and it wasn't, it's just Christianity is not just a heady, well, now I understand these things. It doesn't stop there. My teaching, my conduct, like these teachings, this doctrine, this uh, theology actually plays out in real life. I actually do something in life. My purpose, I have a different purpose in life. My faith, like I, I have a bedrock <clears throat> belief that is unshakable. That I just persevere in. I have a patience. I have a love. I have a perseverance, even through persecutions. It actually plays out as a different life. So, yeah, like, you, uh, and then after this, you know, you, you will be persecuted. <clears throat> and maybe to switch gears, evil men and imposters will uh, proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. I think one of the worst things about being deceived is one, you, you don't know it, but the worst thing is that it grows. Deceit begets more deceit. And, and if you're deceived in something, it's easier to go down that rabbit hole. I think uh, one thing we talk about a lot here is community. I think we really, really need community and real community, uh, real friends that will say, hey, I, th- I think you might be missing something here. Have you thought about this? And help rebuke you, draw you back to, to the truth and to be very open. Like, hey, I, I do want to be a person that follows the right, the right path in life, that follows Christ to my whole heart and all ability. So to be open to those things. Yeah, and like it says, continue in what you have learned and I firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That is pivotal. And then we go on to see that all scripture is breathed out by God. Like this isn't like there's hope. Like that just to finish off, like there's so much hope in this. Like you see all this godliness in the last days. But then you look at like what we're talking about, the trans people, like all this stuff, like that's like a minutia of the population. That's like nobody. So we as Christian men, like we have, like they have like demonic forces behind them. We have the power of God behind us. We have like all of the angels in the entire universe. And we know that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even, dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Like we have the word of God. We have all of the heavenly being behind us. Like as men, like we need to be the forefront of culture and like we are going to be the change that's going to happen. If it can happen on the, like we cannot just like back down from this calling and that should just totally capture our lives and it should mm-hmm. be like who we are as men. And there's so much hope and I see that and mm-hmm. God will honor that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we probably don't have time to get into it, but I a neat study is also taking a look at that verse. Um verse 16 that all scriptures breathed out by God <clears throat> yeah, yeah. and just breathed out like what else in life was breathed out by God 
Yeah. I mean, man, right? And so, um, you know, and I think there's um, one other where Jesus says, I am the breath of life, right? So there's these these couple moments throughout scripture where there's this breathed out concept. Uh, we don't have the time really on this episode to get into that, but uh, I just think if we are not standing firm on the word of God, you're not going to be able to use it to be profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, um, and equipping you for every good work, mm-hmm. uh, for every work that's, that's being brought in. So if you, um, if you're not immersing yourself in the word of God daily, um, you need to. And especially if you ascribe to be, you know, a Christian that is going to be able to stand firm and be able to stand and rebuke, um, sin when we see it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Zion, will you pray close out our episode? Yeah. Dear father, I thank you for your faithfulness. And I thank you that you breathed out your word to give to us and that you show us who we are in your word and who you are. And you show us how to be reconciled with you. Father, I ask that you would help all of us listening and all of uh, each of us here today to be a people of your word Mm -hmm. and that we would seek you diligently. And I pray that we would look to the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us to encourage us to be faithful in the times that we live. And I pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen.